All right, how's it going, everybody? This is Dan Figella here with Tech Emergence and Sentient Potential. I'm here with uh, Peter Voss, who happens to be the founder and CEO of Adaptive AI and AGI Innovations. He's a researcher and entrepreneur in the domain of AGI. Peter, how are you? I'm very well. Awesome, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be able to have you on board. I know we had been connected uh, through Lifeboat. We've had so many wonderful Lifeboat folks on over the course of the last maybe six to eight months or so. Um, I wanted to first get a little bit of a backdrop just for the folks who aren't yet familiar with your work as to sort of your initial introduction into the world of AI, AGI, um, and also how you got involved in business in that domain as well. Sure. Uh, so I started off uh, in electronics a long time ago with my initial um, passion and interest. Um, and uh, when microcomputers first appeared on the scene, I fell in love with um, basically programmable electronics, you know, that cool. you, could, you, could, you could basically build functionality very quickly um, and, you know, sort of get instant gratification and actually getting stuff done. So I, I switched over from electronics to, to programming and started a, a commercial company with commercial software, you know, the kind of thing that uh, I call myself business software. Uh, but you know, this was in the early days uh, doing this on, on microcomputers, and we did very well with that with that company. Um, and um, I eventually sold the company, and um, then was was able to to spend uh, the better part of ten years really doing uh, educating myself and doing research in, in, in AI. And the way this came about was uh, over the ten or so years of running my commercial company, uh, it, it became very apparent how limited and brittle uh, current software is. You know, even if you write very good software, um, it still doesn't have common sense and, you know, it, it, it'll just work within a very narrow domain and there's, it's really not very forgiving yeah. uh, and it doesn't adapt to circumstances. So, you know, I guess that's a sort of definition of brittle, uh, brittleness in software. And, and that's really something, you know, it always bothered me and say, well, you know, one day when I have time, I, I'd really like to understand how we can get software to be uh, intelligent or more intelligent. And so after I sold my company, I uh, um, actually started reading up on theory of knowledge, going right back to the root of, you know, what is knowledge? How do humans know anything? Uh, how do we have certainty? How do we form concepts? Um, how do we deal with ambiguity? How do we think? You know, how do we learn? Um, and then also, obviously, computer science and what had been done in artificial intelligence. I, I studied um, cognitive psychology, so from a psychological point of view, do, you know, how do we measure IQ? Uh, how meaningful is it? What are the different components of intelligence? Um, and how do emotions uh, fit into that? So I, I really want to understand cognition from, from all the different angles, from a theory of knowledge uh, to psychology to com uh, you know, computers. And at the same time, I got sucked into philosophy more generally and into ethics. Uh, how do we know what's right and wrong and good and bad? Um, you know, that, that sort of came as part of parcel, parcel of it, and that sort yes. of also pulled me into uh, into politics even, you know, ethics and politics. So, uh, but, but it really, <laughs> it, it, it all came back to, uh, you know, how do we build thinking, intelligent machines, and ultimately also machines that will do us good. Yeah, and, and I suppose you'd need all those categories to get a full understanding there. I'm, I'm certainly, uh, you know, no PhD in philosophy, but I, I happen to believe that a certain grounding in many tenets and domains. You're, you're talking about metaphysics, you're talking about ethics. 
um, are, are pretty useful to have when we're moving forward, particularly in emerging tech, talking about intelligence, thinking, etc. And and how did that kind of carry you forward into the project you have now? I guess also just for my own knowledge, even what was that that first company and what was it focused on? And then maybe give us a little bit more about um, the particular kind of projects you're working on now. Right. So the the original company was business software to basically run a small business, um, and um, you know we we would target companies that would need a computer with you know sort of up to twenty or thirty workstations. You know that that size company. Yeah. And um, that there wasn't really anything on the market in, in those days. You know we we're talking. Um, sort of early mid 80s late 80s yeah and where, where people would either have to use a mainframe service externally but they couldn't afford their own computer system so our, our company would provide the hardware software services uh, development support training all of that uh, to allow uh, smallish companies to to have their own computer system to do inventory control sales uh, uh, you know uh, basically really a com comprehensive uh, suite of, of of software, and um, that was quite successful. We actually listed the company on the uh, Johannesburg Stock Exchange. I lived in South Africa at the time, cool. and um, you know that uh, that was that was very fun and exciting. And uh, certainly, I'm as much of a businessman as I am, um, you know, in a scientist or inventor or whatever the label you want to put into it. So <laughs> yeah. I, I I really enjoy um, producing uh, software and services or goods and services. That um, make businesses more efficient. That um, you know that are that are a win-win situation for yes. every, everybody. Basically, creating something um, of value uh, to to people and seeing the results of, of that is something that, that I've, I've always enjoyed. Good old-fashioned entrepreneurship. And uh, and how did that uh, that take you forward into your projects? Now I know you'd mentioned. Um, uh, well, uh, of course, adaptive AI is kind of your main project. I know you have some other stuff um, on the on the side there as well. What are you guys doing at, at adaptive AI, and how did you make the transition from self education mode in in uh, in philosophy, technology, politics back into this business space now? Right. Um, okay. So the um, you know the, the the success of my original company. Uh, gave me the freedom to uh, to to spend many years in educating myself uh, myself and um, um, doing some experimentation as well myself. And then um, just over ten years ago, um, to start a, an, an AGI company. So at that time, I'd come to a point where I had enough of a, of an idea and theory together to to actually start building prototypes and systems to explore these ideas and to actually build. Uh, an AGI um, engine uh, of, of sorts. Um, so, you know, an initial commercial company enabled me to, to do that, to give me that freedom, but uh, it's, it's not that I had uh, enough money to do this with, you know, hundreds of people for, you know, 10 years. So we, we, we did uh, raise additional money um, for the R&D company. It was pure R&D company at that, at that point, AGI. Um, and... Um, you know, doing this for five or six years, we made some good progress and, and built, developed a, a, a cognitive engine that could could do a lot of useful things. Um, uh, you know, the, the kind of things uh, that you see in Siri now, but beyond that, it could uh, it could browse the uh, 
you know, go on the internet and buy stuff for you on, on, on eBay um, and set appointments and do all sorts of uh, business things. But just as a as a prototype, it wasn't uh, a commercial. Uh, it wasn't a commercial enterprise at that time. It was really for us to see how can we develop this uh, general cognitive engine that can. Uh, that can be taught to do a lot of useful things and, and not have that same brittleness as uh, you know, conventional software yep. has. Now, after doing this for five or six years, we, we on the one hand found it more difficult to re- continue raising money for a long-term R&D project, and on the other hand, we, we had this uh, engine that already was quite promising. So about six years ago, we, we decided... Um, to, to actually take this and turn it into a commercial product. So um, what we did is we, we started a, a company called Smart Action, and what we're doing there is to automate phone calls. So, you know, if you call, up, call a company and you, you uh, this how, how I always explain what, what my company does is I, at a cocktail party or something, I say to party, you know when you call a company and you talk to a computer and you hate it, you know, and everybody nods. Yes, I hate these things. Yes. You know, they're terrible. <laughs> so I say, well, you'll love ours. So we'll hate ours a lot less. Um, so <laughs> by using this artificial intelligence engine that we uh, developed and building an industrial strength uh, version of it, um, we are able to offer the, uh, the service to uh, to automate phone calls. And uh, that company was uh, launched uh, five years ago, and we've been quite successful. On, on that commercial side, with a very limited, you know, engine intelligence engine based on the AI technology, the research that we we did, but it, it did take uh, five years out of my life to get a commercial company off the ground, and, wow. and uh, you know, uh, that's um, yeah, it's yeah, you know, uh, it's not it's not trivial. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, certainly to certainly. get a commercial company. Uh, started and running and successful. Um, so it, it's quite recently, um, uh, about six months ago, that we got to a point where I handed over um, the, the running of the company to, to a new CEO, and I've been able to now start a new company um, to, to really pick up where we left off uh, six years ago and go back into the more fundamental and long-term AGI research. And we are fortunately now uh, funded quite well. Um, with the success of a commercial company that we now have funding for, you know, a few years forward to to get back to solving some of the fundamental problems of AI. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, and I know uh, not every company that's involved in this domain is also as involved in research and development um, as yourself. I think a lot of folks are more just finding the commercial fit and building off of it. But it's interesting that you're doing a little bit of both. Um, I wanted to, to catch up with you here on the topic of because you know we're, we're as I mentioned before you know we interviewed a couple of robotics CEOs and some other folks in the business world as to where you see maybe moving forward here in the next five to ten years um, how emerging technology might have an impact on entrepreneurial opportunity clearly for you you know putting together this this last company was no trivial matter um, there was a lot to do to get it off the ground. Etc. But now, you know, um, presumably there's a lot of room to grow there in terms of, you know, you had, you had mentioned Siri as an easy example. I suppose there's going to be a lot of, you know, combat to see who comes out on top in that game and a lot of potential opportunity. Um, how do you see the development of recent uh, emerging tech as kind of influencing the, the business world and startups and things along those lines? 
Yeah, it's, I think a, a very interesting and very important question uh, you, you asked, and um, my, my answer will probably be a, uh, a little disappointing to many uh, many people, is uh, the commercial route is actually going off into the wrong direction for ADR. It's a, it's a total distraction. Well, not total, but largely a distraction. And let me explain what I mean by that. So. ATI is, is a system, is, is basically the approach to build a, a system with general capabilities, general cognitive capabilities, and, and general learning abilities. Uh, it's not a specialist, so it, it, it's like humans, like a human, you know, a human without the, the specialized training has common sense and common skills, but it's not particularly useful at, at doing any one particular task. So once you train a human, you know, they they become experts in a certain field and they become better at that field but not necessarily other fields that requires a training. So AGI is, is taking that, that approach, that philosophy of having a cognitive engine that has a broad set of knowledge but not any specialized uh, skills. That, that's sort of a general direction. Now the problem is as soon as you do something commercial like uh, in our company answering answering specific phone calls, you know, where people want to place an order or get some technical support or something like that. What you really want is an expert in that particular domain. Um, uh, same with the press, uh, chess playing uh, computer or traffic management or Jeopardy or, or, or whatever. You want the system to be as good as possible in that particular domain. Now, unfortunately, um, a hard coding human knowledge into the system is always quicker uh, and cheaper to get good results. Hmm. So what you end up doing is you go away from generality and build a narrow AI. So you're, there's always tremendous commercial pressure to make your AI narrow, which is the, the, sort of the opposite direction of where you want to go with AGI uh, development. So it, it's, it's really extremely hard to move AGI technology forward uh, in a commercial environment because uh, it is always that pressure and say, hey, let's just hard code this stuff. You know, we know how to solve this particular problem as humans, so let's just take our human knowledge and uh, kind of hard code it into the system. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that, that, that uh, poses a problem for folks who want to be able to take AGI and be able to cultivate and develop its commercial applications because, as you had said, the short-term pressures to apply it are really just going to be plugging massive amounts of human knowledge and building something more specific and potentially brittle. Now, with that being said, is, is your particular approach now aiming to be kind of a route around that where you have your commercial front end, um, but you're able to still be involved and invested in, in legitimate AGI research? Right. So we, we see this sort of as a, uh, a stepwise approach. So with, with AGI innovations, um, we see ourselves, you know, having the, the freedom to spend the next three years, four years or so, some, something in that round, concentrating on really dealing with the fundamental issues of knowledge encoding and of, of, of learning and doing that in a very general and in a non-brittle uh, way, you know, fuzzy and robust way. And uh, at, at some point, um, and I don't know if that'll be you know, 18 months down the road or three years down the road, 
uh, we expect to, to move the technology through uh, the, the theoretical design forward sufficiently that we say, hey, we have something now that will take us to the next level in a commercial engine. At that point, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll then freeze that technology, turn it into you know, a, a, a commercial uh, and industrial strength um, product, um, and you know, it will take the, the, the commercial technology to the next level. But I, I still see that the, the, you know, until you get close to human level uh, intelligence, uh, your, your narrow aspect, your narrow solution are always going to be preferable and, and more yeah. effective. Yeah. So I, I see, you know, I see us giving, uh, having that freedom uh, to move the fundamental technology uh, a lot further now in, in, the, in the research company. Whereas in our commercial company, we will be product development, which will be much more incremental. You know, just uh, you, you improve the product by hook or by crook. You don't really care whether it's you're solving any AGI problems along the way or not. Yeah, yeah, you, you just, yeah, I mean, you're you're solving business problems, I guess, or market fit problems of just being able to have something that can go out there and be applied, be sold, uh, be used, but then obviously building towards the level of intelligence you'd need for AGI to be applicable. Um, where where else um, do you see artificial intelligence really potentially finding that fit? Obviously, as you had said, now, you know, it's going to be a little bit, we, we were able to interview uh, Ben Gertzel not too long ago, actually. Um, with regards to, to AGI and you know the the particular struggles and approaches that he's going into, again it seems as though until we get to a certain point, maybe there isn't you know quite as much of an application there. Maybe in the shorter term, for um, AI uh, on more of a specific realm or a specific application, where do you see some opportunities uh, for companies, entrepreneurs to be able to apply AI, even if it is in a little bit of a narrow sense, with the technology expanding like it is now? Um, you know, quite frankly, I don't, I don't really, I, I see this, the, the schism between what you need to do commercially um, and, and what you need to do in terms of fundamentally moving AGI forward. Uh, you know, they, they, they're really dichotomous, you know, they, they're incompatible in so many ways. Um, to solve a business problem and say you just do it by whatever means you can to have the best possible product. You know, it's 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 tough to have a commercial company that's successful, and you just can't afford to do things sort of in a AGI elegant way yeah. uh, for the sake of you know moving your AGI uh, forward. Now, you know, obviously we've chosen a little bit more about in terms of why we've chosen uh, to focus a lot on language-based things. Uh, clearly, there are many applications, uh, like our phone-based support agents are you know, a, a clear example of that. There are lots of things that are, are, are useful in, in, in the language domain, but language in itself is not really a, a, a sort of... You need to be careful about what what kind of development you, work you do in AGI if it's language-based, because uh, just... The language itself is needs to come back to uh, to to meaning, and that that mean that means it needs to ultimately come back to grounding and to perception. So, in that sense, uh, you know, robotics or things uh, that that have um, vision and actuators that, that you know things that actually interact with the world at a lower level 
uh, are in many ways a better model for AGI development than, than languages. So, huh. uh, but, you know, again, even in robotics, um, you will, to get something useful in robotics, if you wanted to start a robotics company or make money in robotics, uh, again, hard coding things and using non-AGI uh, approaches are, are going to get you further from the commercial point of view than, than doing things for sort of AGI way. Yeah, at least at least uh, at present, it would seem so. So, even if it's even if it is maybe a more narrow application, even if really there is the as you'd mentioned, kind of the dichotomy between bringing artificial intelligence to the commercial domain and legitimate uh, AGI research moving the field of AGI forward. Even even if it isn't moving AGI forward, where do you personally see? Uh, the future holding a lot of opportunity for AI being applied, period. Whether it's through language, whether it moves AI, AGI forward at all or not, where do you see AI having kind of a more and more firm handle and grasp, um, again, even if more in a limited sense, in the commercial world? Well, they, they, there are you know, a lot of applications, and it really depends on whether you, you have the deep pockets and the the, the available data, uh, you know, whether you, you can take a big data approach if you're working for one of the big big companies that, that have that, and that, that is certainly this promising. Day. You know, a lot of progress is being made, continues to, to be made in, in data mining and finding patterns and, and using those in, in, in useful ways and having smart algorithms that, that use data. So that's one area, but you, you know, you have to have. You either have to work for a company that has that or have some other uh, way of accessing and, and getting uh, a big, big data. That's one area. Yep. Um, another area is to uh, continue improving um, things like Siri. I mean, I don't think nearly enough work is, is being done, and we're kind of glad from a competitive point of view huh. that it isn't. Uh, I mean, Siri should or you know, personal assistants like that should be much more powerful by now if, if, if people were putting more effort into it and more, you know, more ambitious with that. Um, now, Google is in a very strong position, of course, in that area because they have access to so much of your personal information and so, much, so many people use you know, Gmail and Calendar and yep. you know, their lives is on, on Google. So they're starting to use it that kind of information to proactively inform you. So I think that that whole um, area, uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities to use the information that, that is already there in, in more intelligent ways, and particularly in, in being able to personalize it on, in, in, a, in a simple way that you can basically tell the system, this is how, this is how I want my information, this is what I want you to do. Uh, and De develop interfaces that make that make it easy for you to customize, to personalize your your, your software, your, your services that you use. I think they're, they're great opportunities uh, in, in those areas. Cool. So, kind uh, of in, in the personal the personal assistant side of things to some extent, but also just um, maybe like a semblance of personal automation in terms of reminders. You had mentioned having a machine that you know buys things for you on eBay or something like that right. as well. Okay. Cool. 
Um, and do you see any particular, obviously, again, Google is in a particularly strong uh, position for a number of different reasons. There's obviously other companies with tremendous sets of data, personal data in, in many respects, too. Um, where where do you see, whether it's an example with, with some companies or technologies that you've just seen kind of out there in the world, do you see anybody moving forward with that personal assistant uh, level stuff in a way that is exciting for you right now, maybe up-and-coming companies or tech? Uh, not really. No, I can't really say that. I'm, I'm more kind of disappointed how yeah. <laughs> little effort is being put in there. But say on, on the other hand, we're kind of glad from a competitive uh, point of view. Uh, to the extent that we are covering that market with, you know, in smart action like a commercial company, um, that we don't have too many competitors breathing down our necks, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, 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 I honestly, I, I'm, I'm not spending a lot of time sort of looking at commercial opportunities right now. My, my focus really has shifted More to getting back to solving the, the more fundamental uh Problems in, in, in AGI, um, and I'm you know, glad. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated that uh, there's been you know five six year delay in, in really doing that work for high ages, and that you know that, that frustration sort of okay now now it's time to go back and uh, solve the more fundamental problems in AGI that uh, that need to be need to be addressed, and um, you know will ultimately need to much better products, and much more intelligent products, but it's sometime, somewhere down the road. Cool, so kind of getting to the heart of the matter. And and uh, before I moved on to our last question here, just because obviously, again, you've got uh, such a thorough background in business, being able to uh, take your company public down there in South Africa and obviously being involved in business for quite some time. Um, for the, the researchers out there or the, the folks um, who are in startups right now, maybe related to or loosely or very tightly tied into artificial intelligence, um, even if it's general business advice, what, what kind of, um, you know, if, if they're out there, obviously some of them, like you, are very passionate about moving the field forward. Many of them, like you, uh, now and, and in your past, are also very passionate about being able to grow a legitimate company and be able to have, uh, you know, similar success as you did. Um, what What sort of advice in terms of uh, whether it's you know a focus or practical advice, would you give to you know folks in the you know uh, tightly or loosely in the AI world who are looking to grow a successful company uh, today? Um, so my my personal approach has has always been quite naturally that I do things that I'm passionate about that I you know that I'm I'm not really I'm not in it primarily to make money um, that my motivation is. To, to build a product that, that I really believe is, is better than what's out there, a useful product or service, to offer something that, that you know, I firmly believe in, and that simply as and that conviction comes through in, in selling the product and allows me to, to sell it. Now, it's not the only way to make money. I certainly know there are enough people in America who approach business on the, on the basis of doing an analysis or, of where there's a gap to make money with it. Whether the product is of any use to anybody or not, as long as they can persuade somebody to part with money, <laughs> uh, you know, or get government subsidies or whatever. That it's just not my style. Is not satisfying for me, and it's not what would drive me to you know work sixteen or eighteen hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so for me personally, I can certainly highly recommend just that you you have a product that you really are, are proud of and believe in, and 
believe is, is of, of real value. Now, having said that, of course, you do need to have a reality check with, with other business people and say, okay, you know, it's not just you being excited about the product, maybe you need to have a customer base, a potential customer base, that is going to um, share your excitement. Yep. <laughs> so that you can persuade, you know, there is actually uh, a, a need for your product or service. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, being driven by something that you're really passionate about. So if, you know, if, if you can kind of start off with having an idea and massage that idea into something that also has commercial viability in the real world, uh, I mean, to me, that's, that's first price rather than saying, where can I make money? You know, it's, that's just not my style and I, I couldn't really advise people. You know, I know there are, are people who that success, successfully just have that approach. You know, I, I don't care about the product. I just care about where I can, where yeah, can yeah, make yeah, money. And, and yeah. probably in this day and age, the easiest way to make money, if you're just interested in making money, is to somehow tap into some government-related um, <laughs> field. You know, some, yeah, yeah. Some, some subsidies or some gap in the market in the, in the legal you know, framework. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope my listeners aren't all that lazy, Pete. I I, I certainly hope. Well, uh, it, it may still require a lot of um, hard work. To, oh yeah, to, to yeah. Do I, that. Think, I think it might. Take... It's just philosophically, it's not it's not something I could uh, I could get excited about. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to say one thing on Certainly. the commercial side. So while I've spent a lot of time saying that um, commercial really goes off in the opposite direction to AGI, if you're fortunate enough, as we have been, to have a product that is. Uh, based on, on some AGI technology, um, then you do have the benefit of having a reality check. So we can go back and say, all right, the, the pure R&D that we're doing now, um, a year down the road, three years down the road, um, how would that improve the product we have? You know, so we, can, we, we have this real world, that, that reality check from a commercial company that we can um, at least project to say, well, how would that help the product? And, and uh, that, is, that certainly can be very useful in having that commercial experience because uh, the, the other risk, the opposite risk of just working on AGI that I've seen a lot of AGI researchers and ourselves to some extent fall into that trap is you do your, your AGI research is so damn hard that you, you, you know, you're trying to tackle something so incredibly difficult that it's, it, it's very easy to fall into the trap where you've designed the problems that you are working on um, sort of according to what you what you can actually cope with. So, you know, it's a, it's a bias that can come in very easily subconsciously. So you come across a problem you can't solve and you somehow just convince yourself to, well, we'll put that aside, you know, I'm sure we can solve it at some point down the road. And we'll work on the problems that we can actually solve, but the problems that you can solve may actually not be that important. So it's it, not having that reality check feedback, you know, where you work on a long-term R&D project, uh, it's very easy to fall into a trap of just you know, spending your whole life working on something that's very hard and very exciting and interesting, but uh, it doesn't, you know, doesn't really uh, ultimately solve, uh, go towards solving AGI. So it doesn't have any kind of yield in the world, you're saying. So being able to apply something into the, the quote-unquote real world or commercial world can at least give you some feedback to kind of guide. Yeah, to a reality it. check, yeah, some yeah. kind of a reality check. Reality is this, check. Uh, you know, is this likely to actually solve 
problems in, in the real world once I achieve my objectives, you know, and whereas, you know, some of the AGI approaches are, of course, just uh, if, I, if I have this algorithm and I can just expand it and, and uh, scale it, basically, uh, and, you know, I just need more horsepower, uh, that's very difficult, you know, it's very difficult to project whether intelligence will just emerge mysteriously by having more horsepower. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it ever will in, uh, in, in design. So, having, you know, having some kind of reality check, uh, uh, some sort of pseudo-commercial reality check, I think is certainly useful. Cool. Okay. Um, and and uh, one additional question on kind of the biz side. You know, um, obviously, again, I've spoken with some folks in robotics, some folks in uh, tech, and mostly entrepreneurship. Many people in R and D or AI. Um, and, and you know, there's there's talk back and forth of the leveraging of you know business and emerging technology to really be able to, as you had said, build something useful, build something beneficial, and bring something beneficial to the world. Uh, but then also the the potential detriment. Of you know uh, commercial and competitive progress um, taking us down some of the wrong paths. I certainly don't have a bias like you know it, it's it's improper or wrong for us to build businesses around this. I think you know there could obviously be pros and cons. Do you see any particular uh, threats or potential traps of uh, companies kind of duking it out here with regards to whether it's nanotech, AGI, etc., and potentially yielding some negative uh, effects that maybe non-emerging tech companies wouldn't run into, like, you know, a company that makes hamburgers or something, as opposed to, you know, people battling it out to, you know, determine human level, you know, determine and bring forward human level intelligence. Do you see any potential risks there in the commercial domain? Uh, no, I mean, the commercial domain has its own dynamic, and, you know, clearly a lot of things are, are done for, you know, marketing reasons and market dynamics, and really have very little to do with um, engineering and moving technology itself forward, yeah. uh, and you know that's just name of the game. You have to do that as a, as a business person. You can't have to um, adjust to to market forces and to what your competitors are doing. Um, I mean, one of the, the, the clear annoyances that I have uh, is uh, the whole frustration of uh, patents and software patents. I mean, I think they're ridiculous, and, and I wish. More, you know, the bigger community would get together and say, let's just drive a state through that, you know, uh, somehow. Um, I mean, the amount of effort that is being wasted by people battling over patents and, uh, uh, you know, things that, that are obvious or should become obvious uh, if you work in a particular field, you know, just because somebody got there first and, and, and had a patent and then people spend billions of dollars fighting over that. Yeah. It's just incredibly frustrating to me that uh, technology is being held back. Um, I, I do want to say one of the other things that benefits of having a commercial business, if you're interested in AGI and moving that forward, the one <coughs> very obvious one is if you can make enough money in a commercial uh, uh, business to then go off and fund your own AGI research, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is... Um, uh, I think a number of AGI projects and people working on AGI, and often they'll admit to that themselves, is if they don't have the engineering skills and powers and project management powers, things that you get from running a commercial company, 
you may have a perfectly good design, um, but it's not going to go anywhere. And I see many of the university projects, you know, things that might have great innovations, things that may have been developed, um, you know, even 20 years ago, great ideas, were never implemented properly because they didn't have a project manager and engineering team to to actually build something that can work in the, uh, work well in the real world. So these these great ideas uh, were basically lost to us um, because some didn't have the commercial uh, background and skills yeah. to turn the idea into a, a, a useful prototype that you could actually you know get stuff uh, stuff out of it. And uh, Pei Wang's uh, um, NAS system, I think, is is an example of that. You know, the limitations that here, and you know, we, we're friends. <laughs> so, what was I, that? What I was the name again? Just so I can. Lot, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had the funding and, and yeah. wherewithal to turn his ideas into uh, into an actual uh, efficient engine that we could really see how what it can and can't do. You said Pei Wang. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to, to is that uh, P I or P E I W A N G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, with a NAS, a NAS N A R S okay. system, which I think is a great idea, but you know, it's, uh, he's been working on that for uh, 30 years or something, but he hasn't ever had the opportunity to have, you know, a, set, a team of engineers uh, actually build, impl implement his ideas thoroughly and, and, you know, and, and test them out. And uh, a number of other other projects like that have come across and said, "Wow, this this looks like a really good idea." It's a pity nobody ever really tried to, in earnest, to implement it. You know. Cool. Yeah. So if if you don't have the, as you had said, I guess wherewithal to be able to bring that forward in some way, it might be an idea that stagnates because it doesn't have the funding, the attention, um, right. or the focus yeah. to be able to move itself forward. Right. And they are very. Different skills needed for you know project management, engineering than there are for um, you know theoretical uh, design, and and this is where you know having commercial experience is just so incredibly useful. Like you say, oh yeah, I, I can I can now tackle this as an engineering project, you know. Yeah, as opposed to uh, you know just a, a theoretical problem or whatever. There, so I can I can see the the pitfalls folks could fall into. Um, Peter, that that was about it for me for questions. I sincerely appreciate you being able to take the looks like forty minutes or so to sort of shuffle through uh, everything that we had had. Share a little bit of your insights on the trajectory of AGI, as well as a little bit of insight on business. Is there anywhere where people can go to learn a little bit more about you, the current projects you're involved in, etc.? Uh, well, uh, our new company is AGI Innovations Inc. So you could just um, look for that. And there's not that much up on the website, but we'll continue to put up more. And we do have a mailing list, so if you go to the AGI Innovations website, you can sign up on the mailing list. Cool. And as we put up more links, um, um, I, I actually have quite um, quite a lot of interviews and in different times that I've uh, you know spoken about our project, and uh, we're, we're putting up uh, other information about our project uh, there. And um, yeah, I. You know, look, look forward to interacting with, with more people in the in the community to make AGI happen. And my my motivation is um, as much to to help solve the aging problem. I think that's one of the you know one of my big motivators is to have um, AGI that is smart enough to help us 
solve, solve the aging problem, which is obviously an incredibly difficult problem to solve, among other problems such as you know, resource management and pollution and energy and, and, and things like that. Awesome. Cool. So being able to leverage AGI for life in many respects. I saw optimal living was something that you're sort of uh, a, a current area of focus or, or of interest for you as well. Yeah, that's, that's my, uh, my personal website is optimal.org. Uh, <laughs> optimal living. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Very good. So, hey, anybody who's uh, tuned in now, if you want to learn more about Peter, that's a place to do it. Um, other than that, that's a wrap for me. Peter, again, thank you so much for taking the time today, and I'll look forward to catching up soon. Okay, thanks, yeah, that was, that was fun. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, then be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>